Exercise doesn't have to be painful. Your diet doesn't need to be bland and boring. It's time to have less pain and move more and learn how to be better to yourself. Welcome to Pain-Free Day with your host, Joshua Cohen. In this program, you'll learn the pain-free way to eat, the pain-free way to exercise, and the pain-free way to live a better life. Now, here's Joshua Cohen. Welcome to Pain-Free Day. I'm Dr. Joshua Cohen. I'm glad you're joining us. Today, my guest is Kim Musial. She is the owner and of uh, Yoga Hive in Pittsburgh. It's a yoga center where uh, she teaches yoga. Uh, Kim and I have been working together for, for quite a few years, and uh, she has some very good perspectives on, <clears throat> on uh, health and how to keep ourselves healthy, how to keep your muscles healthy, how to reduce pain, how to exercise when in pain. She has some really good views on that. So I want to, um, want to introduce Kim. Kim, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So um, glad you're joining us. You know, like I said, I want to talk about pain and how yoga helps reduce pain, how yoga helps reduce inflammation. Um, how did you get into yoga? Well, I actually got into yoga when I was in college, and that was one of these things where I had been wanting to do yoga for almost as long as I can remember, but it was, um, I don't want to age myself here, but back in the 90s, there there weren't too many uh, places to do yoga like there are today, and so it wasn't until I was in college that I was able to take my first yoga class. Um, It was for credit, and it was totally transformational. It was by far the best semester I had had to date. I got straight A's and I had this ability to concentrate and focus that I had never had before. I didn't even realize that I was missing that until I took yoga. That's fascinating that you mentioned. Sorry, what were you saying? I just said that was my first step in. That's, you know, it's funny that you say that because that's part of what I talk to a lot of my students about, about how exercise, doing yoga helps, um, helps you think a little clearer, helps kind of get, you know, clear some of the cobwebs out of your head and just kind of helps you think a little more clearly. Specifically what it's doing, it's like, you know, especially when students are, you know, when they're in class all day or if you're working all day and sitting at a desk, <clears throat> excuse me, your blood flow kind of gets cut off to a certain degree. You have less blood flow going up to your brain. You have less oxygen where you, be, where, you, know, you become less awake. Less aware, less coherent, and so then you go and try and study afterwards, and it takes you ten minutes to do something that should really take you one minute to do. You know, so I find like doing something like yoga, it's just, it's a great way to help kind of loosen you up, get your blood flowing, so that you're ready to pay attention, you're ready to concentrate. There's all these studies that show how it's like exercising and yoga helps increase you know blood flow to the brain, but also helps release human growth hormone in your brain, which aids in the laying down of neurological pathways, which are what memories are made of. That's really cool. Um, tell me a little bit about your yoga training. You know, how, so after, how, did, how did you train? What did you do? Yeah. So after that, I um, it, it really wasn't until many years later because at that time it still yoga wasn't that prevalent. I always was practicing myself. It wasn't until I was living in Boston. I, I had finished graduate school and I had finally um, found this studio, the style of yoga that I liked, which was um, Baptiste yoga. And that for me was just um, the thing that kept me sane. I was working um, a pretty intense consulting job and traveling all the time. 
And so this studio was how I started my yoga training. After a couple of years in Boston, I ended up moving back to Pittsburgh. And from there, um, I just really missed my studio. I, I missed all of the teachers. And I saw that they had a teacher training coming up. And let me tell you, Josh, I didn't even think I wanted to be a yoga teacher at all. I had no idea. I just wanted to go and go to Hawaii and do some do this yoga that I really liked. Um, and, and that was sort of my second uh, transformational experience, I'll say, um, where it was a week-long uh, yoga training, and I had never felt so clear and so good, and so um, my body felt so strong just from doing yoga, you know, three times a day, which is not something that is sustainable for most of us on an ongoing basis. Um, but yep. this training really was um, something that woke me up, and I thought, oh, maybe I could teach yoga. Um, and so from there, that's I just started teaching like one class a week after that. That's cool. So um, yeah, what made you and open? then of course it grew from there because that was just you know the first little <laughs> the first little bit. <laughs> so actually, what so what exactly is Baptiste yoga? Like, what, what, how would you describe it? Yeah, um, let's see. Baptiste yoga, for me, I think about it. It's very similar, has many similar poses to Ashtanga yoga. And it is it's a flow-based yoga. So you're doing things that you probably typically do in many yoga classes. You are doing sun salutations, A and B. And then you're holding some poses, and you're doing standing, standing poses, um, and it's um, back bends, stretches, hip openers. Um, it's a I, I think of it as one of the more holistic um, styles of yoga. The thing I think that is a little bit different, maybe than some, is that it's heated, and I know that's very, very popular today. So it is typically heated now. My studio that I have right now, I don't heat to the same degree that, that they typically heat to. Um, but, you know, Baptiste Yoga, I'd say, is sort of the, I don't want to call it generic. It's not generic in any way, but so many people have trained with him that if you're taking a yoga class um, anywhere in the country, like, it's probably in some way influenced by the yoga that he's, he's put out there. Oh, that's really interesting. Now, so in, what yeah. is the difference? So, is Baptiste a type of Ashtanga yoga? No, no, no. And the founder's name is Baron Baptiste, and um, Baron grew up in the '60s out in California. He, his parents were um, like hippie health food store owners, and they taught yoga. And they were the, um, from what I understand, they were sort of like the home base. For when whenever there was a spiritual teacher coming over from another country, so as a child and growing up, he was really exposed to the different um, teachers and yogis uh, of that sort. And for him, for a long time, you know, he was trying to get away from that. He was like, "This is this is my parents. This isn't me. Why am I this kid with a weird hippie lunch and all the other kids have, you know, <laughs> bologna sandwiches for lunch?" Um, so it wasn't until he was older that he really um, came into it, and he, you know, he studied with a lot of different teachers, 
Um, he studied with Iyengar as well. And he definitely credits Iyengar as one of his primary teachers. And Mr. Iyengar's yoga was very different than Ashtanga yoga. Um, however, I feel having practiced both Ashtanga and the Baptiste yoga that it um, it flows in a more similar way than it does for an Iyengar class. Oh, that's interesting. You know, that's, uh, I personally do Iyengar yoga. Um, that's, I affectionately mm-hmm. describe it as like old person yoga, just because you get into poses <laughs> and you hold it for a while. You know, it's very slow yeah. moving, very specific, you know, and that's one of my complaints about some other styles of yoga is that they're not very specific. And one of the things I've really liked about what you do is it's very specific, you know, it's not very fast paced, you know, um, it, it, it's very comfortable. You know, that's one of the things and that, that I really I like think about. That, yeah. And that's where, you know, I have that holding of poses that comes from Baron, which through Baron comes from Iyengar, and I have not studied Iyengar directly, but you're right. It does give you this chance to kind of marinate in a yoga pose. Um, you know, Baron definitely has a sequence. He puts them together, whereas the Iyengar classes that I have been to, you might work on just, like, a couple poses. Um, right. Baptiste yoga, you're going to get to, like, maybe, like, you know, a good chunk of poses throughout your hour, hour and a half class. So what are some of the benefits of yoga? Why should people do yoga? Well, that's... <laughs> you, you, you say a few things. And... I want me to say a few things as well. I have a few ideas, but I want to hear what yeah. you have to say. Yeah. So I think it's funny because I, I was sort of joking when I said we can Google it because you, you can at this point in time now. Um, Google it, and you'll have lists upon lists, like the 42 best things about yoga, the 37 best things about yoga. Uh, and it's everything from increased flexibility to increased muscle strength and and tone and, you know, improved respiration and energy and, you know, maintaining a more balanced metabolism, weight reduction. You get in some cardio. There's circulation. There's <clears throat> improved athletic performance. Um it, it prevents cartilage and joint breakdown. It keeps your spinal disc supple. It helps you with balance. It, you know, it's just all of these things. And I don't want to, um, one of the things that I don't want to do is, you know, say wholesale yoga is going to fix everything. It's going to make everything okay. It's going to make your body, you know, it's going to heal everything. It's, it's not a magic bullet. Um but for some people, it is actually the magic bullet. It's that thing that that does keep us healthy. And just from my own experience, um, you know, I feel personally that it it just has helped me stay healthy in so many different ways. But aside from staying healthy, like it's the one movement based thing that I like to do. Like I always wanted to be a runner, but I get out there and I really don't like running all that much. And I can go to the gym, but I don't like the gym all that much. Um, so yoga is kind of that thing for me that really works, keeps me moving. Um, but more than that, it's sort of this stabilizer for me, this emotional and mental stabilizer that we were talking the, about um, yeah, at the beginning what, of the podcast. 
that's one of the major components that I've been able to find. It's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, before I wanted to do a little research onto yoga before talking with you. And so I was looking up some stuff online and, you know, some of the main benefits that I saw from it, and personally, I've experienced it as well. You know, it's like it, yoga helps decrease stress. It helps increase the quality of life, increases your recovery, it decreases anxiety, increases heart health, decreases depression, decreases chronic pain, can help you sleep better. It helps, like you were saying, your flexibility and balance. Because basically, it's like if you're, the tighter muscles are, the worse your balance is going to be. And I look at this stuff like, you know, everything is connected. And so the tighter your hips get, the more likely you're going to be to fall. And then that's going to make the fall worse. I always like to talk to patients about a couple studies that I've read about years ago where, you know, they say uh, the leading cause of traumatic spinal injury in those over age 65 used to be from a car accident, but now it's from falling. But then you take it one step further, and the leading cause of falling is from a lack of hip mobility. You know, and so it's really, it, it ties you know, everything's kind of tied in together. And what you were saying about, like, the magic bullet, I completely agree with you. There is no magic bullet. But what I find, it's like you know, yoga is kind of like the muscle work that I do with where, you know, where most issues you can help out in some way, shape, or form positively. You know, you might not necessarily mm-hmm. be getting rid of the issue, but you should, you know, generally we can positively affect the issue just by getting somebody somebody moving. You know, with the muscle work that I do, I look at it as I help decrease inflammation, decrease muscle spasm, get people moving the way the more they move, the better they feel. And that's pretty much what you're, you know, from what I see what you're doing as well. One of the main benefits that I've been seeing with yoga, though, is decreasing inflammation. You know, and I kind of look at it as like well, anything we can do to decrease inflammation will help us live longer, help the quality of our life, just help us feel better in general, you know. And so, it, you know, it, it, inflammation plays a major role in a lot of in a lot of um, illnesses and a lot of pain. And for lack of a better expression, I kind of look at it as like, you know, we just kind of move fluids around and prevent them from accumulating too much in one area. But, you know, with yoga, it really helps keep you moving and helps keep you moving in ways that don't hurt. You know, and that's one of the things I love about it. And I kind of joke with my patients where I say to them, you know, if you stick with yoga, the only thing you get out of seeing me is you stick with yoga for the rest of your life, I will have done my job, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's true. So. That's, that's true. And it's nice because I I think that, you know, yoga goes hand in hand with the work that you do. You know, yoga does so many great things, but it's, you know, it can't fix everything. And so I think that it's important for people to know that they need to, you know, form their team of people in a way. Like, they need they need their yoga. They need whoever their yoga person is going to be. And then they need somebody like you who's going to sort of help keep them on track, keep everything in alignment. Um, because things go, things go out of alignment and people can overdo it and get injured in yoga or you sleep weird yep. and something happens and yoga isn't always going to fix that. Yep. You know, and, and that's part of the thing. And, you know, people say, oh, I injured myself in yoga. And I'll say to them, well, chances are you weren't doing the pose right. And chances are things were really tight and irritated prior to that, you know. And so right. it's like, yo. You know, it's like yoga really helps kind of calm things down. And, you know, it's like I look at like the muscle work that I do. It's like with yoga, sometimes there's some things that you can't take care of yourself and you need a little extra help. And that's where I come into play. You know, but then what yoga does, it just helps keep people moving. And the way I look at it, it's like, you know, the long, you know, we want to be able to move as long as possible and feel as good as possible. You know, and if we're doing stuff exercise-wise that hurts us, we're only going to be able to do it for so long before we have to stop because you know, our bodies are breaking down. Absolutely. 
So no, I'm curious as to, you know, because so I've sent people to you, you know, that have been in pain, haven't been moving at mm-hmm. all, and you get them to move. You know, why don't you tell me and tell us a little bit about how you get people moving? Absolutely. Well, that's my that's kind of the one-on-one work that I do with clients. So that's a little bit different than the group group classes that I teach. I I see every body, every person that comes to me as totally different and you know, comprised of a unique set of stories and experiences and all of that their whole life is carried within their body and their muscle memory and their bones and and everything about them. And so a lot of what we do to get started is a pretty decent and long intake uh, where I just listen. I listen to whatever the client has to tell me about their body, about their injury, about the pain, about where the pain came from, when the pain started, how long it's been happening, the actions that trigger the pain, you know, the, the scale of the pain as it's a 10? Is it a 1? Um, and so there's a, a pretty good amount of time that we spend just talking about it. So I can understand it. I can start to see where living in the body and how it's affecting them. Um, and then you, the next thing that I usually do from there is work Can into, I interrupt for one second? Oh, of just course. Stop. Yeah. I just want to say that is so important, and I hear that from so many people, and I've heard it from old school doctors, you know, a generation ago, you know, who are a generation older, in that taking a history yeah. is a lost art, and it's so important to sit okay. down and take your time and ask the person questions and listen to what they have to say. You get a lot of doctors that really don't spend any time with their patients, don't answer questions, just walk in and just say, this is what's going on with you, this is what you're going to do, come back in six months if it's not better. You know, and I, right. just, I think that that's a gross disservice, and so I'm really glad to hear that. I try and do that as well, take my time with people. And all of you listening out there, you know, if you go to see somebody and they don't take their time with you and they don't listen to you, you might want to go see somebody else. You, know, you want to see somebody who's going to be sympathetic, who's going to listen to you and going to care about what's going on. So, okay, please continue, Kim. I just wanted to interject for a minute. Thank you. Yeah, well, I think it's great, and I just will add to that before I move on to the second thing that we typically do is um, I find that once people have shared um, about their pain and have talked about it and I've seen it, I've sort of watched them in their, in their body, um, it's almost like the pain diminishes after that part in some way. Like they've, they've been able to acknowledge it. And so I do think that there is something very, um, like you were saying, like the last art of, of listening to people. Um, I think that's one of the, for me, one of the most important things for yoga as well is, you know, we tell people to listen to their bodies. Well, I want to be able to embody that as, um, you know, as instructor that I'm able to, um, you know, listen to them and watch them in return listen to their own bodies. Um, So after that, what we do is usually breathing. And in yoga, we call breathing pranayama. And pranayama, um, there's a lot of different types of pranayama, but it's a specific a specific act of breathing. So it's not just the autonomous everyday breathing that we're doing right now as we're on this um, podcast, but it's really about um, starting to lengthen and deepen the breath. And what I find with a lot of clients is that they, um, 
you know, they have a really hard time with that. <laughs> right. You know, and, it and is. So can you explain why it's so important to breathe and breathe in a good, positive way? You know, I talk to patients about this as well, and people just kind of take it for granted that you're breathing, but, you know, you really want to breathe in a good, positive way. Yeah, well, I think a lot of what happens, and, you know, we are so lucky. Our our body does so much for us. Our body regulates everything and runs everything and cleans our body and gets rid of toxins, takes in nutrients. You know, there's so many things happening at all times, and including the breath. Um, but when we take a moment to slow down and really breathe with awareness or breathe consciously, what we end up finding um, is that a lot of times, or what I see, is that people get stuck, especially when people get really stressed and with we're a culture of stressed out people, um, people get stuck breathing kind of in their neck and up in their shoulders. Yep, so that means that, yeah, so that means the breath is sort of just like this really shallow, um, like it's not really letting the lungs truly expand and contract. And then the diaphragm um, you know, it's hard to talk about some of these anatomical things over the phone, but, you know, the, for right. people who are listening, the diaphragm is going to be connected along the inside of the rib cage, and it starts, like, right below the lungs. So the diaphragm is part of breathing. It's part of being able to expand and contract. Um, and so what I find is a lot of people's diaphragms just aren't even mobile. They're not even moving anymore. And that creates pain in and of itself because the breath, I mean, the first thing that we can do is start to move the body with the breath. We don't even have to talk about lifting your arms up or moving your leg. All we're talking about is moving your rib cage, moving the whole and interior of your body um, with the breath. And so that is kind of transformational for people once they start to get that, oh, my gosh, I can breathe in for five, six, seven, eight seconds. And then breathe all the way out for that same amount of time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, 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 and it's amazing how much it affects the rest of your body, too. You know, if people are just doing the shallow Absolutely. chest breathing, like you're saying, it's like it really helps loosen up your whole body. I look at it as partially, you know, just breathing into the bottom of your lungs. You're getting fresh air into the bottom of your lungs and kind of, you know, clearing out some of the crap that accumulates in the bottom, kind of like clearing out a filter, you know. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, it's funny. I've talked to people that, you know, say it's like, you know, certain people say you should never, you should never breathe out of your mouth. You know, and we all just kind of take breathing for granted. But, you know, like you said, it's like stress really can affect it. Um, you know, by the way, as a quick aside, one of the things that I, one of the benefits that I really like about yoga is a body awareness. And that's kind of what you're talking about with the breathing is becoming more aware and just kind of, you know, and it, it's so beneficial to just kind of concentrate on one area of your body and focus on it and see how it's moving so that you can start assessing whether it's moving right or not. You know, I talk to a lot of people that will come and say, well, you know, it didn't hurt until I was doing yoga or until you pressed on it. And it's like, well, you know, but that's showing you where things are irritated so that you can work on it. Yeah. And I think that is interesting because, you know, that, like I said, that's the second thing that I typically do with my clients who are in pain. And then even by this point in time, so we've that we've talked and we've done breathing and they've already been able to calm themselves down. Um, calm the body down. So breathing also is this tool that not only has these, um, you know, like physical effects, but also it has these mental effects where we can really just start to like let the brain 
calm and slow down. And, you know, from the yoga perspective, I think about pain in two different ways. I think about the pain, the physical awareness of the pain, and whether we can bring ourselves out of pain through movement or through stretching or through a series of um, sequences, I will say, different ways in which I have help people to learn to move their bodies to come out of pain. But I also start to teach people that, you know, sometimes it's possible that we could be in pain for the rest of our lives. And what would that mean? You know, are are we going to complain about it every moment of every day for the rest of our lives? Or can we start to think, if this is it, if this is my reality, if I'm, this is never going away, which, you know, hopefully it will, but nothing's a guarantee, how can I learn to breathe into this pain? How can I learn to um, let my mind rest, let sort of breathe in, let my mind rest without having the, the thinking mind, the ego mind, turn on and say, oh, this hurts. Oh, this isn't comfortable. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, I, you know, it's just that part of our brain that takes us away from um just allowing ourselves to be in the moment and maybe be in the pain. Maybe our body is actually trying to tell us something um, and we're, we're not listening. So that's so important, too, about, you know, some people might be in pain for the rest of their lives. Um, I deal with a lot of people that have osteoarthritis. And what I like to say to people with arthritis is once you have it, it's there for life, you know, and people... Right are amazed at how much pain is caused by traditional osteoarthritis. And it can be mild findings on an X-ray or MRI, but they can have horrible physical symptoms. You know, and that's part of what I talk about to people with people in here is that, you know, if you have that, even if you don't have it, you need to manage your body, you need to manage these symptoms, you need to manage the pain. If you have arthritis and you have chronic pain, if you don't do anything about it, it just gets worse. You know, and so by working through it, you know, it really helps minimize the pain. You know, the saying with arthritis that I've heard a lot is it'll hurt to move, but it'll hurt more not to move. And I see that so much with arthritis where it's like, you know, and with yoga, if you can keep the joints balanced and aligned, you know, and the muscle work that you do, that helps out with it. Yoga helps out with it. Um, but, you know, the joints won't, you know, it's like with your car. If your alignment's out of, if your car's out of alignment, your brakes and your tires wear away quicker. Same thing with your joints. If they're out of alignment, they'll wear away quicker. And when things are arthritic, you know, you, you're moving differently and you're using muscles differently and your body's out of alignment. And so you want to put things back into alignment to help keep things moving the way they were supposed to. But I also want to address Absolutely. another. Yeah, I want to address another thing that you mentioned as well about you know with yoga with people trying you know slowing down, and I hear this is a common it's a common um, topic that I hear with people a lot these days, and I think it has to do a lot with how you know everybody's on their cell phones, everybody's on their phone, and everything's you know everybody's attention span is really short. But it's you know people will say to me you know a common criticism is I don't like to do yoga; it's too slow. They say, well chances are you need something to slow you down because our society, everybody's just going, 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 and you need some time to recover. I like to say to patients, mm-hmm. if, you don't re- if you don't give yourself any time to recover, eventually something's going to give, and it's generally going to be something in your body. It's generally not going to be something in the outside world. And when something in your body gives, you got, you're going to have to take a break because your body's going to force you to because you're injured. You know, And at that point, you're going to have to take mm-hmm. a lot more time off slow down a whole lot more and you're going to be limited. So I kind of find you're much better off slowing down and limiting yourself before you have to and hoping to keep yourself going and managing things. I'm a big fan of rest and slowing down and 
meditation and, you know, trying to calm down stress and anxiety. Yeah, you know, I I was just going to say I recently saw a quote or a a statistic that said that on average, Americans tuck their phones every 12 minutes, and that adds up to 80 times a day. So we are, I mean, truly in a uh, culture of distraction, (laughs) and that does in some ways, like, that distraction keeps us away from... Um, you know, like knowing what's going on in our bodies and really knowing what's happening up in our brains. You know, and that's so, I so agree with that because, you know, um, body awareness is so important. It's so important to know where things are irritated and know what's going on with your body and be in tune with your body. You know, and I talk to people that say like, you know, they don't ever want to be alone with their thoughts. And, you know, with meditation, they talk about how if you can't control your thoughts, you can't control anything. You know, I mean, it's a shame that people are, you know, it's like, you know, like you said, people are on their phones, checking their phones every 12 minutes. And it's just, it kills people's attention spans. You know, I'm a big fan of taking a news fast, of taking a cell phone fast, different things like that. It makes a big difference. Yeah, you know, that's, that's int- totally true. I mean, I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was just going to add that, you know, um, you asked me how I got into yoga. Well, one of the things I did right after I took two yoga trainings was decide, all right, now it's time to learn about meditation. And I did a 10-day silent meditation. It's called Vipassana. And that was like the most eye-opening experience of my life. It also was probably hands down one of the hardest um, and most challenging experiences of my life because you give up all technology you don't talk to anyone. You don't look at anyone. You're just in total silence um, for 10 days um, and also meditating for 10 hours a day. So if you yeah. really want to get out there and do a true detox, I would I highly recommend that experience. I've, I've wanted to do something like that. I would love to do it with my wife at some point. You know, um, I just thought it sounds great. I, uh, it's hard to find the time to do it, but I've talked to some other people that have done like it's a one hard. or two day, you know, um, you know, silent retreat, and it sounded fascinating, mm-hmm. you know, so you felt really good afterwards, you really liked it? Yeah, it definitely was, um, you know, it actually gave me the courage to slow down and quit my job, quit my corporate consulting job, and, um, you know, gave me the inspiration for opening up the Yoga Hive. That was something that might have been in me previously, but I hadn't stopped. I hadn't slowed down or listened in long enough to really hear that part of um, part of me. That's really neat. Yeah, That's very cool. So, um, to, I want to change change or not change subjects, but just kind of change gears a little bit. I wanted to yeah. talk to you a little bit about you know you you have a daughter and you teach. You know, yoga for children. I just wanted you to talk a little. Wanted to hear a little bit about that. Tell you know, tell us a little bit about you know what you do with kids, how you get them moving, and how is it good for them. Yeah, well, I I think that's such a funny question in some ways because kids are the most natural of all the yogis. Like they they kind of just almost do the yoga without even needing okay. to be taught the yoga. They're, and they're um, so flexible. I also think about. They're so flexible, and they like to be down on the ground, and they, like, Fiona, I'll just look over, and she's just doing a yoga pose. I I don't, like, force yoga on her. I don't make her do yoga at home. I think a lot of people assume that that I do, Um, but, you know, I want her to be able to come into yoga when it's right in her life and when she feels like it's something that she wants 
to do. Um, I do. I, I teach sometimes at her preschool, and that is very fun um, because kids, they, the little, little kids, yoga is more play. Play-based yoga, it's singing, it's storytelling, it's learning to help the kids, you know, figure out where their body is in space. Um, where's my foot? Where's my arm? How can I, how can I slow my body down? So some of it, we move, we move, we move, um, we do silly things, and then we'll try to, I'll teach them how to like rest their bodies for 30 seconds at a time or a minute at a time. And I know you have um, more grown-up children now, but you can probably remember the time when they just, they don't stop from sunrise to sundown. So, yep. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say, oh. if you can get them for one minute to, like, put their legs up the wall, that is a major accomplishment. I, yeah, get them to just sit still for a minute or two. <laughs> that's an accomplishment. But that's, you know, I remember my kids when they were little, I remember watching my son sitting in a hero seat and sliding down the stairs like that. Uh, you know, with the, like, you know, so he's with his butt between his, you know, he's yeah. sitting on his shins, his Keep pointing backwards, and he's sliding down the stairs. I was like, ah, don't do that. That's so hard on your knees. You know, but most people yeah. can't even get into that pose. Um, you know, when I look at it, it's like, you know, kids, it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're so much looser. They have a lot less wear and tear. They recover a lot quicker than us. You know, it's kind of interesting to see it. I mean, you know, it's like they'll land on their head, bounce right back, and be fine, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it is. I, the one thing that I do really like yoga, uh, like teaching little kids about yoga um, and yoga poses is also that it just gives them a language to talk about their bodies. So <laughs> Fiona will tell me, oh, that like hurt my spine <laughs> or that hurt like this specific part of my body. And so, <laughs> but I actually think that's helpful for you know, really small children to be able to have some awareness for what's happening in their bodies um, so so they can share with teachers and their parents, like, you know, what's happening rather than saying, like, my leg hurts. Well, like, what part of your leg? <laughs> or, yeah, um, and I think yoga gives them awareness into that. I completely agree with you. You know, one of the things that you said that I, I just want to touch base on that I completely I really agree with is not forcing kids into doing stuff like this because, you know, it's like, um, you know, if you kind of like if you force your kids to eat way too healthy, they'll react to it. You know, I grew up not being, you know, I, I wasn't allowed to eat like cookies for a long time. And then as soon as I got together with my stepmother, there were cookies and you know, I kind of went crazy. My brother <laughs> okay. went crazy, you know, and so it's like, you know, I kind of see that, you know, with like exercise and stuff like that. If we've really forced the kids into doing it, they'll do it for a bit, but they're not going to be crazy about it. And eventually they'll just kind of rebel and, you know, do, you know, do whatever they want anyway. Not, not necessarily whatever they want, but they'll do something different, you know? And so I don't want to, you know, hmm? it's like you, it's like you wouldn't talk to your kids every day about like having to be a chiropractor, right? And I would never talk to Fiona every day about having to do yoga and having to like, make that a part of her life. You know, we do certain things related to yoga and then that's it. That makes sense. So now do you, do you yeah. watch what you eat? Do you, uh, you know, do you, do you, do you cook a lot? Do you, you know, cause you yeah, want to touch base have... on the nutrition a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we, I love cooking. We, um, I eat a, well, I eat everything now. I was vegan for 10 years and that definitely was not serving my body well um so when i was pregnant with fiona i started eating meat and um, 
that what I made follow, you switch? Well, I oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what made you go back to eating meat? Uh, you know, it was it, it wasn't a necessarily uh, it wasn't a choice that I made. Basically, my midwife and um, acupuncturist were basically telling me, like, you need to eat meat. Your baby isn't growing. <laughs> your your body isn't healthy. Uh, so I I just um, I went all in. I started eating meat, and I think it has been a lot healthier for me. And the more that I've I, I don't know if you follow Sally Fallon. She has a, mm-hmm. a quote that's based a lot on the Weston Price Foundation. I follow a lot of her stuff. I really like it. It, it is more about um, nutrition from looking at it from, like, indigenous cultures and traditional nutrition. Uh, What's her name again? The, Sally mm-hmm. Fallon, F-A-L-L-O-N. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I think- and so I... I, I like a lot of her stuff. It can be a little radical. It's definitely, like, not for everybody. If you have, um, you know, high heart heart health issues or whatever, then, you know, you're probably not going to be want, wanting to eat as all of the um, all of the meat and lard and all of the, the stuff like that that she encourages you to eat. But I do feel that, um, you know, eating a well-balanced diet full of, um, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables. That's where I focus a lot of my energy. I eat a lot of lentils and rice, um, quinoa. I eat, you know, we'll eat meat as long as it's local and we know where it's coming from. Um, but yeah, that's that's how we that's that's the basis for our diet. That's awesome, and I'm I'm glad to hear you say that. And it brings up a good point. You know, I do a lot of work with nutrition, and you know, everybody is really pushing you know plant based and being vegetarian and vegan. And I'm very plant based. I I haven't eaten red meat in years. Um, I don't eat chicken. I don't eat pork. I eat a little bit of fish, a little bit of seafood, a little bit of cheese on the weekends. But even with cheese, it's affecting me more now, so I'm not eating it as much. But you know, I kind of I really look at it as like it's it's not necessary to be completely vegan. You know, you can be healthy and still eat some animal protein, but most people eat too much animal protein. You know, and the way I kind of talk about it, it's like even if you wake up and have eggs for breakfast, like a chicken salad for lunch and fish for dinner, it's still too much protein, you know, and you want to have like one meal a day or generally what I recommend is one or two meals a day with no animal protein, you know, and then you have one or two with animal protein, but try not to eat too much of it. You know, I kind of find it's like in moderation, it's fine. You know, but it's like I get a lot of people that come into my office that are like, oh, you know, should I be vegan? You know, that's the only way to go. And I'm like, nah, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of vegan and vegetarianism, but I don't think that it's the only answer. And I think everybody's body is so different. You know, we need to listen to our bodies. You know, and like what you were saying with the... um with being pregnant, you got to listen to that. You know, if your baby's not growing, you have to try and do something to help out. It seems like what, you, you know, eating meat was the right thing to do for you. Yeah, I think there's, and I'm not a nutritionist or an uh, expert on health, but I, I think that there's a lot out there. If you're a woman of childbearing years, you're going to have very different nutritional needs than somebody who's in their 50s or 60s. Um, who might be a man. So I think that there's, you know, some gender-based eating, and I think that there's eating for the right time in your life. And, you know, sometimes we hear those cues from our bodies, and other times we don't. I was vegetarian and vegan for so long that if my body was asking for meat, I I wouldn't have known it because I hadn't eaten meat since I was 12. Um, Wow. So I think it's just, I think for 
Yeah, the way that I look at it, I, I think a lot of people think to be a yogi, you have to be vegetarian or vegan. And I, I don't think that that's true. And I, um, you know, we don't push anything, any agenda like that at the studio. Uh, that makes so much sense. And I've been seeing, and I'm glad to see more and more information is coming out now about how, you know, it's like our nutrition, our nutrition needs change you know, from kids to adults to, you know, past adults to seniors, you know, whether you're childbearing, whether you're pregnant, you know, depending on what you're doing as well. You know, it makes it, it really makes a big difference, you know, trying to, you know, change how you eat. I learned a lot about that just by having kids and I had to pay attention to what my wife Maria was going through when she was pregnant and then when, you know, with the kids when they were very little. And I mean, we went through a lot of different types of, you know, eating patterns, you know, testing for different, you know, food allergies and irritants. And, you know, it's like it really changed how I look at food. And I really think that we have, you know, every you know, every kind of different stage in our life, we need, we have, we have different needs, different exercise needs, different nutrition needs. And that's one of the things I really like about yoga, because like with these really crazy intense exercise systems like CrossFit, they say, hey, you know, you're 50 years old, you can be exercising like you were when you were 20. We're not supposed to be, we're not 20 years old anymore. And yoga can keep you moving without hurting yourself and keep you moving for years without hurting yourself. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and it is um, it's good that there's a lot out there now. You know, I, there was that point in time when there was like, you know, I, I don't know, Richard Simmons was out there doing all the like the workout stuff, and now there are like so many choices. So I just think it is really nice that people have lots of choice now. See, I agree, and I, I love Richard Simmons because he welcomed everybody. You know, no matter how out of shape you <laughs> were, overweight you were, I love that. You know, and that's uh, I want everybody yeah. to. You know, it's like I think everybody can, you know, should be welcome at yoga. And, you know, if you haven't done it in a while, it's hard to do it. It's hard to take that first step. But generally, yoga is very welcoming, and most people in yoga classes are very welcoming. So I just got our cue that we are uh, out of time at this point. Um, Kim, it's been great talking with you. I greatly appreciate your time. I apologize about the confusion. We had a little trouble getting started at the beginning. Um, but, Kim, it's been great talking to you. I appreciate your uh, time. Once again, it's Kim. She is she run, she owns the Yoga Hive in, uh, in Pittsburgh. Is it yogahivepgh.com? Yes. Okay, www.yogahivepgh.com. Thank you very much, Kim. I appreciate it. And thank you all for joining us. And I hope you all have a pain-free day. Are you in pain? Has your doctor told you that you need to start exercising, but you don't know where? Do you want to exercise, but you are in too much pain? Or you start a new exercise routine only to injure yourself and have to stop? How do you exercise when you are in pain? How do you exercise and eat to reduce pain and inflammation? Is your pain associated with what you eat? If you have any of these questions or are interested in any of the topics discussed on Dr. Joshua Cohen's show, then you'll want to check out CohenTriggerPoint.com. You'll find information on all of the topics covered on the show. The site features an extensive library of blogs covering most health topics. There's also an exercise and nutrition program that is designed to get you from not exercising at all to moving, exercising, and eating healthy in consistent ways that are easy on your body and wallet. Join the gentle revolution. Go easy on your body because the rest of the world won't be easy on you. Exercise smarter, not harder. Eat smarter. Don't follow bad diets. Exercise sustainably. Eat sustainably. Have a pain-free day.
Thank you for listening to Pain-Free Day. Make sure you join Joshua Cohen for another program next Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Now, go enjoy your pain-free day. We'll be right back. 